Okay, so this morning I want to talk to you about uh, the hero stranger, all right? The hero stranger. And uh, we'll get to that in just a few moments. And, but I, I was listening to that, that, that last song that, that the worship team did that Jamie took us back into, a little bit of it, and I thought, wow, what an amazing story. You've got stuff in your life, right? You've got stuff in your life. And that, that, that song that we just sang said, the Lamb, Jesus Christ, he has overcome. That is past tense verb. Now, I'm not the smartest person in the English language, which y'all found out about a month ago when I was trying to come up with those other tense things, whatever, right? I'm not the smartest thing as far as grammar and all of that, you know, I, I, that's not where I scored the best in school. But I do know that has is past tense. And what that song was reminding me of is that the lamb has already overcome. What, whatever your need is, the lamb has overcome that. Whatever your problem is, Jesus has already fought that battle, but not just fought it, he's already won that battle. It's already done. I mean, it's like, it's like just sitting there waiting. It's, it's like the psalmist said, he said, you, you prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. What's he talking about? He said, in the middle of all my battles, you're preparing a table before me with all the good stuff that, that you have prepared. Christ has already prepared your victory. He's already prepared your answer. Jamie mentioned miracles a few moments ago. He's already prepared your miracle. It's already there. He's already won that battle. Not just fought it, but he's won that battle. So go ahead and grab a hold of it again today and believe God. Oh, can somebody believe God with me today? Can somebody believe God for something more awesome and more amazing than, than you or I could do? Can, can we believe God for something so amazing and so awesome that we have to have him show up in our lives to do it. Amen. So let me take you to the book of Luke, chapter 10, just uh, six little verses here, verse 30 through 35. And let me read, re and read along with me, okay? And uh, this is a, when Jesus was asked about neighbors, uh, this is the answer he gave to explain what a, a neighbor is. He says, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. This is a parable, probably is a story Jesus kind of made up. But some people have said, because uh, the, the, the Greek there says a certain man or whatever, that maybe, maybe he was talking about it actually happened. But, but we don't know. But we know that Jesus is teaching us a lot of things to this. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers on the road between Jerusalem and Jericho. They stripped him of his clothes. They beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. And when the priest saw the man... He was driving down and he saw the man on the side of the road. He passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite. Now, a Levite is, was not like a, a priest priest, but a Levite was of that same family and a Levite had duties at the temple. And we've got a lot of people have duties here at the temple. We've got a lot of people on stage. We've got a lot of people working back there with our kids. We've got people working all through the week in various places and in the community. Okay, and, and those would be, in a way, like Levites, especially those who do things here on Sunday morning. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw this traveler had been beaten up and left for dead, he passed by on the other side as well. We don't do that kind of thing, do we? Right? We don't do that. I mean, you know... We, we see, come on, let's be real, let's be honest. We see something bad and what do we do? We want to talk to everybody about it, but we're, it's, it's more like, did you see that? Oh, I can't, wait to, I can't wait to text somebody. I can't, you know, or tag somebody in a post. You got to share that story and tell them. But, but what do we really do with it? 
I mean, we, we, we talk about, did you see that body on the side of the road on the way to Jerusalem? Did you, did you see that? Did you see that? You know, and, instead of doing something about it. And, and then uh, verse 33, but a Samaritan as he drives. And here's what's important about the Samaritan. The Samaritan is a stranger. Jews and Samaritans didn't have anything to do with each other. So we know they were strangers. We know the Samaritan did not know the Jew, the man that was lay, laying in the ditch on the side of the road that had been beat up and left for dead. We know they didn't know each other. He was a stranger. Okay, get this. We got a priest, a Levite, and a stranger. And this stranger, the Samaritan, as he traveled, he came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him. Now, how do you go to somebody that's in the ditch? You don't go to somebody that's in the ditch by standing up on the road. You got to get down in the ditch where the person's in the, if you're going to somebody who's in the ditch, you have to get in the ditch. And so he went to him and he bandaged his wounds, pouring in oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and saying, look after him. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Here's, here's the, the first thing I want to tell you this morning. Don't be a Levite, okay? Don't be a Levite. Now, I just said the Levite would be so, very similar to maybe someone who plays or sings on a Sunday morning or, or someone who, or, who runs sound or, or someone who's working with kids this morning. But in the, in, in the whole framework of what Jesus is talking about, please don't be this kind of a Levite. Because what he was doing is he was walking, he was probably on his way to or from temple. And when he was on his way to or from temple and he saw this, he couldn't be bothered with that. You know, he couldn't be bothered with that. You know, just, 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 just couldn't because, you know, really he was probably thinking, well, I do all of my service. You ever heard the term I gave at the office, right? Any of y'all ever use that? You know, somebody says, uh, what'd you give? And you say, well, I give at the office. That's what the Levite would say. He said, well, I give my ministry at the office, at the church. I do all my ministry for an hour and a half on Sunday morning, then I'm done for the rest of the week. Don't be a Levite because that's, that's, we got a lot of Levites, around today, that they do their hour and 15 minutes or an hour and a half on Sunday morning and say, boy, I hope somebody else comes by because I do all my giving at the church. Don't be a Levite. You know, here's part of his problem. Part of his problem was because he was a Levite, he had to maintain a cleanliness. There was a, a ceremonial cleansing in the Old Testament, and, and Jesus is just now introducing grace, and they don't understand all this grace. And, and so he had to stay clean. If he touched this blood and, and he touched this, and this man died, you know, while he was trying to help him, boy, he could be unclean for several days, have to go through ceremonial washing. So it's like, man, I can't be touched with that. Or what if somebody walked by and saw me down there with this guy thinking we were, he and I were just a bunch of drunks or whatever, you know? And so a lot of people say, well, you know, we can't be associated with that because then, you know, we would be deemed guilty by association. Andy Stanley said something. We were just at a conference. He said this before, but he just said this again this last week. We were at a conference a couple weeks ago. He says, if Jesus was worried about guilt by association, he would have stayed in heaven. Come on, because me and you, we don't have the best reputation either. Well, maybe you do just in the public, in the community, because you kind of put your best foot forward. But when God is looking at who we really are, he knows our reputation isn't really as good as it ought to be. And if he was worried about guilt by association, he would have stayed in heaven. But by his example of coming from the throne room of God to the dusty little town of Bethlehem, living in, being from Nazareth, living in Nazareth, if he could do that, then how much more should we be able and willing to also step down into the ditch 
to the place, you know, you know here, was, here was really, I think, the real reason that the Levite couldn't. Now, let me get back up here so you guys can see me. But here's the real reason, is that the priest and the Levite, they had forgotten about the ditch. Now, they saw the ditch. Okay, the ditch was there. All right, but they had forgotten what the ditch meant. They, too, had been in the ditch. Listen to me, every one of you. Every person is in the ditch at some point in their lives. And some of us, we fall in the ditch a lot. You know, we just back and forth into the ditch. It's like God helps us out. And we, sometimes it's our fault. Sometimes it's our problem. Sometimes it's just life happens. You know, life happens. Amen. Does life ever happen to anybody besides pastor? Life just happens. And we sometimes end up back in the ditch. But every one of us is in the ditch. But what happened to the Levite is he forgot what it was like to be in the ditch. Here's the truth. I fully believe this as a pastor and a pastor for many years now. The farther we get from our own personal ditch, the less likely we are to go back in the ditch to res rescue someone else. The farther, we, the farther we get away from, the more clean we get, the more holy we get, the more uh, good reputation we get, the, 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 the farther we get, just like this Levite did and the priest. And we, we, we set aside, and I, here, I'm talking to the 40% here now. Listen, 40%. I'm talking to us. I'm talking to those of us who've been in church. And we've got all the excuses and all the reasons of the world why we can't or why we won't or whatever. But the reality is the reason we don't is because we've forgotten what it's like to be in the ditch. We need to remember that we were destitute as well one time. We were broken as well one time. And Jesus Christ, he gathered all of our pieces and started putting them back together in our lives. We need to remember what it's like to be back in the ditch and stand there and keep helping people out of the ditch so that we don't fall in again ourselves. Because we're all gonna be back in the ditch again one day. And we're either gonna fall in or we're gonna go in on purpose to help somebody come out. Ron Ebbs, don't, don't go right here just yet, Tommy. Don't, don't go there just yet, because I, I know everybody will want to read ahead of me. Don't, don't go there just yet, because they don't want to do that. Ron Edmondson wrote an article I read this past week, Five Legitimate Fears of a Church Planter. And um, in the, oh man, I, I've, I, I probably need to skip some things here to get to this, but Five Legitimate Fears of a Church Planter. And the number five, the number five reason was uh, the number five fear that church planters have is that they don't have a building. Now, take me there. I know you're skipping some things, uh, Tommy, but take me there. It says, we don't have a building. And here's what, here's what Ron Edmondson said. He says, no, you don't have a building, but you probably don't have a mortgage either. Stop right there. Don't read anymore, okay? Don't make me take tell Tommy to turn that screen off, okay? Don't read anymore. Stay with me right here. First of all, look at that. Think. You see, that's, that was one of the Levites' problems is, I've got a building down here I've got to go take care of. I don't have time to do ministry. Oh, so I, I should have gotten an amen or an oh me right there somewhere. I should have gotten some, oh, that hurt, pastor. Exactly. If we're not careful, you think about what happens when, I mean, I've been there. Church, I, I, I've gone in. I have never built a church, but I have finished a lot of church buildings. Okay, you understand what I'm saying? I've never started it, but I've had to finish a lot of them. You know what happens when you get in the middle of it? All of a sudden, your focus gets away from the ministry part, and your focus gets on a building. Your focus gets on a mortgage. Your focus gets on all those things. And so, so what Ron Edmonds says is, you don't have a church building? Thank God you don't have one yet, because you also don't have a mortgage yet. And so he goes on, and he says, and you're raising up an army of volunteers for setup and teardown. 
You're raising up an army of volunteers for set up. And you know what's going to happen one day when we move into another building and we leave this one that God's got us in, right? You know what's going to happen? We're going to have an army of volunteers who are helping with set up and tear down that are going to need something else to do. And they're, they were, they're so dedicated now to what they've been doing. They're just looking for the next thing that they can do. I mean, this is an awesome thing that God is doing. He continues and says, you are building service and sacrifice into your DNA as a church. That's exactly, and he says, isn't it wonderful? Yeah, and let me tell you as pastor, I can say yes. When I read this, I was like, he's talking about 2911 because that's what we're doing last week when we had our dream team appreciation. We have 112 members of the dream team. Do you know what that, do you know what that comes out to percentage-wise of all the adults and teenagers at church 2911 right here? I'll give it to you right here. 55.7% of the adults and teens of this church are working for God, doing something here around the church or something out of that. That's awesome. You know what the goal is? Anybody? 100? Isn't that too high? 100%. Let me tell you why. You know why? Say it with me on the screen right there. Because everyone has something awesome to do for Jesus. Not just 55.7%. Everyone, 112, all of them couldn't be here last Sunday, but we appreciated them. And listen, if you aren't doing anything yet for God, then, uh, or you're not really involved yet in helping, then please appreciate some of these that get here at eight o'clock in the morning and are here till, uh, here till uh, 1230, one o'clock that, that are working to do all this. Please appreciate them and thank them. And you know, I was looking to see, I, I didn't see anybody wear their t-shirt this morning. I really wish I had just one person with the t-shirt on that we gave away because I would want to, I'd, I'd like to tell the rest of you, we got a t-shirt for you. If you're, not, if you're in the, the what the 44.3%, the if you're in the 44.3%, we got a t-shirt for you. We're just ready for you to get involved, ready for you to start doing what God has called you to do to be a part of this. Because everyone, 100% has something awesome to do for Jesus. I, I, I really got to hurry, but, but I got to say this because we got to talk about, we got to talk about the hero stranger, don't we? Let's talk about the hero stranger for just a few moments. The hero stranger, and I, uh, I picked this because I was kind of wanting to tease you a little bit, but I uh, didn't take time. We didn't have time to really tease you along. But I wanted you to see this is because this is, you know, you're not really, a, I mean, you know, if I rescue my son, my daughter, one of my grandkids, my wife, I mean, you know, yeah, okay, I'm a hero. But real heroes are those people that don't get anything for it. Real heroes are those, those amazing people that don't know it, those strangers that just show up at the right, and you've seen the, you've seen the videos, haven't you? You've seen you know, on Facebook, you know, you've seen those, those YouTube videos of, you know, of, of, of the guy catching a, catching a kid falling out of a, you know, a third story window. Did you see the one about the kid that is hanging on the escalator on the outside and rides up all the way? Like a, it looks like it's in a big airport or something and rides up all the way and a guy comes running over and gets under it just as the kid gets to the very top and falls like, looks like about three, three stories down and the guy catches. You've seen those kind of, he's a stranger. The, the, the hero Stranger, that's who this good Samaritan was. Let me point out four things that he did that made him the hero. First of all, he gave his time. He gave himself. You know, you can't give, and I think, I think that's the first thing that comes to most people's mind, is when, you know, you see somebody, you know, has got a flat tire on the side of the road. First thing, don't you think about, I mean, you might be thinking about, uh, look, see if there's anybody that's got a gun over there, or there. You know, you might be thinking about safety kind of issues, but... Other than that, the next thing you're thinking about is you're thinking about, do I, do, do I have time to stop and help? 
That's a big gift because that's the one thing. You, you can make more money. You can get more stuff, but you can't get more time. And so the very best gift, you see, a lot of us think like, yeah, but I can't get that back and so I can't give it away. But you need to understand the very best gift you have to give is your time, yourself, spending time there. Think about it. Jesus gave 33 years right here on this earth and he gave three of it really being beaten up and, and persecuted. He spent the last 24 hours. I mean, he went through a whole lot of stuff for me and you. The very best we can give is our time. And he gave his time. He stopped what he was doing. I don't know if he had an appointment. The priest and the Levite, they had appointments. But the good Samaritan said, you know, I, I, I just got to believe in his heart. He was thinking, I remember what it's like to be in the ditch. And he went over and he gave his time. Because if he still remembered what it was like to be in the ditch, he also remembered there was somebody else that gave me their time one day. There was somebody else that gave me the gift of them, the gift of themselves. There was somebody else. Like, and, and, and so he couldn't just keep walking by. And I'm going to be late for that appointment because God, come on, has given me another appointment today. I wonder how many of those we just wander right straight by. And when then we get back to church on Sunday and say, God, doesn't, God never shows me anybody to minister to. God never shows me anybody that's hurting anybody that needs me or whatever. And we're just walking by because we've got an appointment. We got to get somewhere. We got got things to do. How many of those do we miss? And and he also gave his oil and wine. Now now he didn't pack that morning. He's not an EMT. Okay, he, he didn't have like a, a stash of oil and wine. This was his oil and wine for his personal use that he broke out and then he gave. But when you look at this, these two things that he gave, he poured into the wounds, the oil and the wine. I don't have time to develop this here, but the oil and the wine they they have protective. Uh, qualities. They have preventative qualities. They have antiseptic qualities. They have healing qualities. They have curing qualities. An awesome, perfect example of the Holy Spirit. And that when we give in the name of Jesus, we're doing more than just giving of ourselves. We are giving of him. And when the man climbed down in the ditch, this, this, this hero climbed down in the ditch and, and he started giving these things, he was giving a whole lot more than just that. He was giving so much more. It, it, and it's like this. You can write a $50 check today to a charity somewhere and you will, you will benefit that charity by $50. It, it will be a $50 gift and it will be benefit. But when you give a $50 check in the name of Jesus, you know what happens? All of a sudden, it's not $50 anymore because Jesus gets in the middle. The Holy Spirit is there. You are giving through the Spirit. And what happens then is he begins to do what he does with the loaves and fish. Remember that story where he begins to bless it and break it and multiply it? And now all of a sudden, $50 is going a whole lot farther than it ever went in the first place. And, and you give in the name of Jesus and the Holy Spirit begins to get, and, and people don't just say thank you. There is a spirit that is connected with that. Y'all understand the difference? I mean, you listen to music all week long, but when you come here and there are, there are songs that are being played and that you are singing that have the spirit connected with it, there is something different going on. And it's the same thing as when you give a check or you give a check in the name of Jesus. There is a spirit connected with that. And when people receive that, there is something going on in their spirit. There is a connection going on, but there is so much more. There are dozens of things going on when you begin operating in the name of Jesus and through the power of the Spirit. Because one of the things he'll do also is he'll just plant that seed that you have put in somebody's hand and he'll make that thing begin to grow and grow. And then he'll give you the increase of that because you were the one that planted the seed. You see the difference that happens when we do it in the name of Jesus? 
And he, I don't know why he did it, but when we do it in the name of Jesus, it's, it's like that oil and the wine. Also, he gave his favorite shirt. Okay, I'm taking a little bit of license here because I'm preaching, right? Not you. I'm, so I don't know that he gave a shirt, but I do know he had to get bandages somewhere. And so he gave his favorite J. Crew shirt, right? I, okay, I'm right. I know, I know. Go with me here just a little bit though, all right? He gave his favorite J. Crew shirt. Now, you know what? There's probably not a person in this room except maybe one of the kids or so that just doesn't have any money. But there's probably not a person in this room besides someone like that that couldn't give $5 to some cause or something today. Like right now, if we found somebody didn't have gas to get home, there's probably not a person in this room couldn't give $5. But the problem is a lot of us give that $5 and feel like we just hung the moon for somebody. We, man, we, we just turned their life around. But you know what? Until it hurts, it's not sacrifice. You see, when, when you find that great sale for the J. Crew shirt, you know, that you can get a $5 one that's just perfect, it fits perfect, man, it, you know, it's, it's just tailored for exactly who you are. And not, not just the fit, but the look, you know, the design and all of that. And even though you only spent $5 on it, I don't know how the thing stayed on the rack that long, you know, now I've got, you only paid five. It is your perfect most favorite shirt, and, 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 and if you found yourself in a place of having to give it away, it wouldn't be the $5 that would be, be that say, I, I can't believe I gave $5 for this, I'm giving away. No, it would be that this is your favorite shirt. You understand sacrifice? Not until it hurts, not until you're giving something that you, that you treasure, that you love, that you need, that, that, that is yours, not until you give something like that is it truly sacrifice. So when he pulled out a shirt, maybe it was his favorite designer shirt or whatever. When he pulled out a, a sheet or what, it might, you know, it might have been, you know, one of those, you know, real high thread count, you know, sheets from Egypt or something, you know, that his, that his wife got last time. She would, whenever he pulled that out and started ripping it up, it was sacrifice. We don't know what, a few weeks ago I talked to you about, we don't know what, we don't really know what suffering is in this country, most of us. We don't know what sacrifice is either. Because most of us could write a $5 check. Most of us could write a whole lot more, never bat an eye, never miss it. Because we are so stinking blessed. It's not sacrifice until it hurts. And, and then the last thing is just very blunt in your face. I mean, there's so, there's so much you know, symbolism and all these other things, but this one's just in your face, right? The hotel bill. I mean, he takes a guy to a hotel and he pays the bill, gives him two denarii and said, I'll be back tomorrow. So if you spend it, go ahead and spend it. I'll reimburse you tomorrow. He pays the bill. He gives the money. I mean, that was just, I mean, that, that, that's no symbol of, that's just like, get in your pocket and do something for somebody today. You know, because you, you, you earned that by the sweat of your brow. Do something for somebody today. Do something for somebody today. Do something. God has called us because you're God's plan. In this story, there are four characters, but only two people. Two, four characters, but only two people. And these four characters really, and here's what I mean by there's only two different people. Every one of us has been in the ditch, okay? So we, we've all been where the traveler was, okay? So that's not a different person because the Levite, the priest, and the Good Samaritan, the, the hero, they were all in the ditch at once. So we've all been there, okay? So the, we're all that at one point or another. And really the Levite and the priest, they're the same person. They got too many things to do in church that they can't do what church really is. They've gotten so business-like, they've forgotten what the business of God is like. And the business of God is people. It's giving your time, it's giving yourself. It's pouring in the oil, it's doing things in the name of Jesus. It's 
sacrificing, doing something that hurts. It's doing those kinds of things. So here's what we get is, is when we get out of the ditch, when you got out of the ditch, you remember when you got out of the ditch, when God helped you out, maybe sent somebody to help you out, or maybe you're still in the ditch, you're just now coming out, but when you get out, you know what you get to do? You get to pick which one of these two others you're going to be. Are you going to be like the Levite and the priest, or are you going to be like the Good Samaritan? Are you going to be like the hero that remembers what it was like? I mean, that, that, that's really the reason. You know, more people are one to God by new converts than by people who have been in church for many years because they remember what it's like to be in the ditch. Because it was just a few days ago, I was in the ditch. It was just a few days ago, somebody else reached out to me. It was just a few days ago that I couldn't help myself and somebody took their time with me. It was just a few days ago. It was just a few weeks or months ago. But what can I do? What can somebody like me do? I know some of you think that. What, what, what can I do? That's why some of you are still in that 44.3%. What, what, what can I do? Everybody can do something. Everybody can do something. You know, you know somebody who is, who is struggling with uh, uh, addictions, they can help grill out still at, at a community event. Somebody who is, who, who's going through life transition in their own home or marriage or, or job or whatever, you know, they can serve on a load team. Somebody who, you know, who is uh, just barely beginning to figure the Bible out, hasn't even memorized John 3.16 yet, they can assist a small group leader. You don't have to have it all figured out together. And every single one of us can give, and we should give. Deuteronomy 16.16, 16. if you don't believe me, look there, and there's several places in the Old Testament, and Jesus didn't do away with the Old Testament. He fulfilled it. It says, nobody's supposed to appear before me empty-handed. We, 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 we just, we can't, it's not just that we can give, we should give. He calls us to give. We can all give. What, what an amazing opportunity. Every one of us can give, and every one of us can invite somebody. And pastors, triple dog dare you today, tell somebody what God is doing in your church. Every one of us has something we can do, 100%. So no matter, and there are no excuses. We don't know if the the Good Samaritan might have been drug out of the ditch yesterday. Very, very likely it wasn't too long ago because he remembered. Every one of us, wherever you're at in life, you have something awesome to do for Jesus. Let me, let me tell you four, four quick things real quick. Four quick little stories to throw this, maybe, maybe to help you see just what you can do. I read a story this week about a lady named Hillary. This was written by her pastor. She was not in church. Her life was a mess. It was all falling apart. Her marriage was falling apart. Everything about her life was falling apart. She was despondent. She was discouraged. She was beyond discouraged. She didn't know what she was going to do. Sitting on a park bench all alone by herself, wondering what she was going to do with her life. A couple of ladies came walking up, sat real close to her, close enough that she could hear them. They were bubbly. They were giggly. I think they were members of the Royal Chicks. I don't know. They were giggling, they were bubbly, they were talking, and she heard them, overheard them talking about how their life, you know, about how awesome things were, and she heard them say the name of their church. She didn't stop them, she didn't say, now where is that church at? She found it on her own. She Googled it for herself, so somehow she found it on her own, and she was at that church that Sunday. And, after, and when she walked in that church and she experienced the true presence of God, she, she insisted to her husband that he come to the church with her the next time. He came to church with her, and he, when he experienced the true presence of God, he said, yeah, something's different about this. And God healed their marriage, and they're both members of that church today. 
Why? Because somebody realized they had something to do. You know, that's why we say around here, everybody ought to attend a church they brag about. You see, because those two ladies were bragging about their church and what God was doing in their church. This lady who didn't know what she was going to do, she said, wow, I, there, there's maybe hope for me too. That's why everybody should attend a church you brag about. <laughs> that, that it just bubbles out of you, like, like the royal chicks. If you don't know the royal chicks, you just, you just ask me, okay? I'll connect you. And you, you it's, this is the ladies' thing, man, okay? You have to come eat with me at Ryan's, all right? But I'll tell you about the ladies' chicks if you're a lady. We'll, we'll connect you there. But, but that's, also, here's another, that's also the reason we give you a T-shirt. This church name, Church 2911. When somebody sees that on your T-shirt and they say, what is 2911? It just opened the door now for you to say, can you say it? Let me, let me do a little teaching right here real quick. All you got to remember is Jeremiah. Can everybody remember Jeremiah? Because hopefully if you remember the name of your church, 2911, if you remember Jeremiah, you've already got 2911, right? Jeremiah 2911 says God has an awesome dream for your life and we dare you to dream with us. Wow, imagine what that would say to someone whose life is falling apart. And you're standing in a Walmart, uh, Walmart line and somebody says, what's 2911? In the Bible, Jeremiah 2911 says God has an awesome dream for your life and we dare you to come dream with us. You know, you've just planted a seed that maybe they'll go home and Google, what is this, 2911, and see. Maybe they'll even go home and look up Jeremiah 2911 and find out that God does have an awesome plan for their life, a plan for a future and a hope. And you know, if they never come to 2911, if they go back to their home church and they, they, get, they renew with God, that's what we're here for. We're not here to build this church. We're here to build his church. But let me, let me say this also. If you've got a really, really bad attitude... If you don't mind, would you turn your church 2911 shirt back into us sometime? We'll find somebody that's got a good one, okay? Because we really need people who are... <laughs> two, two more little quick stories, I promise you. I'm going to be finished here in just a moment. I heard a pastor speaking. One, he, was, he was speaking to a bunch of ministers, and he, said, he was telling us how that when he, when he came to his present church, the one he was working at at that time, it's been several, several years ago, he was a golfer, and so when he got to church... First day, he started asking around, finding out who the golfers were, but not for the reason you think. And so when he found out who the golfers were, he started asking all of them where they played golf, where, you know, if they were members of a country club. He wanted to find out where they were members, but not for the reason that you think. And so when he found out where they were all country club members, he went and found the one country club he could find where none of his members were members, but he didn't do that for the reason you think. <laughs> And every time he would go to play golf, he would go all by himself without any of his church members, but not for the reason that you might be thinking. <laughs> because let me tell you a little something about golf courses. I don't know a lot about golf, but I can tell you about golf courses. You know, they, they don't like when you tear up their greens and some stuff like that. You know, and my, my cousin found out they don't like when you let your 14-year-old drive the cart and wrap it around a tree. They don't like a lot of things like this. One of the things they also don't like is they don't like slow play. They don't like the play. If, imagine if 40 people showed up and they all wanted to play individually. How slow? Because there's only 18 holes out there and you got 40 people, it, it would slow everything down. So really they want everybody to play in groups of four. That would only be 10 groups of four over 18 holes. Man, it'd be spread out. Everybody be having a good time. Nobody be mad because I'm standing here waiting. Okay, you understand that? Golfers understand that. So when you show up by yourself at a country club, especially one you're a member of, you already know they're going to put you with somebody else. They're going to put you in a cart with somebody that you don't even know. And so this pastor was saying, I went and found a course where nobody in my church was a member so that they would constantly be putting me with somebody that I didn't know. 
somebody that probably didn't go to church. And you know what? After a few times, he started connecting with some of the same guys over and over and over. And God began helping him develop a relationship. They found out he was a pastor. They probably didn't want to talk about it the first time or two they played golf. But eventually, you know what happens. Eventually, problems come up in the conversation. Situations come up. And eventually, somebody asked somebody for prayer. Things began happening. And people that never would have known God had a pastor not said, I'm going somewhere that nobody knows me so that I can connect with people that don't know him. But those people get to know Jesus Christ because of somebody who says, this ain't about me anymore. Last, last little story. I, I hope you're getting something out of this and you're thinking, man, I could do that. Here's the last one. I got, I got two friends and uh, I, I've probably only eaten with both of them together maybe one time. So there's a bun, been a bunch of situations separately with these two guys. And when you go eat with them, Almost every time. I, I cannot remember a time this did not happen. Every time that I can remember that I've eaten with either one of these two guys, when the waiter or waitress came to greet us, take our drink order, my friend would say, hey, we're ministers. In a couple of minutes, we're going to be saying grace over our food. Do you have anything that we could be praying over for you? And you know what? I can only remember one time that one, one waiter one time said, no, I'm good. Every, every single time besides that one, the waiter or waitress would say, at least, yeah, yeah, I do, just, just, just remember me. But there were a lot of times that they would go even further and they would say, yeah, my sister's in the hospital. Yeah, uh, my husband left me last week. Yeah, I'm a single mom. And, and I'm working this as a second job. There were a lot of times. And listen, I, I've, I've only done this a few times myself, but just, just so you know, don't get blown away if that ever happens with me and you being out. Because I ask God to lead me in those situations. It happens. And the opportunity, is, the opportunity arises just like that. You know, you know why this happens? Because you're God's plan. For somebody that's in the ditch today, you're God's plan. For somebody that you work with that's in the ditch, you're God's plan. For somebody you go to school with that's in the ditch, you're, their, you're God's plan for their life. You're God's plan. Can I ask you, if you will stand, let's come to the front and close, if you will. Join me at the front. If you're a first-time attender, just, just let you know, we like to close around front with a final song and a final prayer. We don't do anything weird, or at least we don't think we do anything weird. If we do, you can call me out on it later, okay? Just let me know. We just let, and if you're comfortable, please come join us at the front for this last prayer. Prayer team members, please get ready and get in place by all means. Let me, say, let me say this again from the very beginning of this message. Let me say this again. If you prayed last week over whatever, all those things that, what an awesome word that God gave us last week. If, if you prayed over any of those things, if you prayed over something in your life, in just a moment, when, when we start praying, I want you to come right back down here. Let us pray for you again. Unless you got a miracle this week and it's over, I want you to come down here. Let's pray again. Let's believe God again for amazing. Anybody need amazing today? Anybody need amazing this week? Anybody need amazing? I need some amazing. I want, we want to pray that.